If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Film Drifters. That's something I have not said in a very long time. I think it's been about a year. But w- literally, when I say welcome back, I really mean welcome back. Because it's been a long time, and uh, we are relaunching our show. Things are going to be similar, but also a little bit different. Uh, what is similar is that our show will continue to provide film and TV reviews from two guys that make watch and love movies. However, it's going to be more than two guys. It's going to be three guys and a girl. I think that's a sitcom, right? Three guys, a girl, and a pizza place. Well, there's no pizza, but it'll be the four of us switching in and out. And uh, these are all friends of the pod. Myself and Will are back. Will, say hello to our our listening fan out there. Hi, my name's Will, everyone. Nice to uh, meet you. Uh, It's been been a minute. It's been a minute, yep. And then uh, joining our team is, once again, Kat. Hello, Kat. Everyone remember Kat. Hot for Hopkins. Hot for Hopkins. Hot for Hopkins. Oh, yes. Yeah. So she's going to be chiming in and joining uh, quite a few of our episodes between now and hopefully forever. And also joining our, what really is, I guess, a team of people running the show now is, is John Park. Welcome back. We're to the back. Show. We're back. Glad to back. be back here. So, yep. Yeah. You'll be hearing the four of us kind of coming in and out over the course of our, our next few episodes. And, uh, yep. It's really good to do this again, I have to tell you. It's kind of like riding a bike, but it's kind of not. I think it's a lot harder than riding a bike. But uh, I think as a team, with all of us together, we'll be able to uh, keep this going, have some fun while we're doing it, and uh, hopefully people will listen in. Hopefully we didn't lose too many viewers. I think Mm. we lost like two. (laughs) Hey, check the analytics. We only lost two? Yes. Two out of three viewers, we lost two of them. Oh, (laughs) dang it. Hey, (laughs) hey. Yeah. As long as hey, there's one. We do it for us. We do it for we, us. Yes. That one other follower, right, is you, right? Sorry, I think I stopped following us. I'm just yes. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was me, Will. It was me. Anyway, um, as we always do, we're going to get started with our rundown on the latest in entertainment news. Today, we are going to talk Golden Globes. And the question I have for everyone is, if a tree falls in a forest and no one is there to hear it, doesn't make a sound. In the same vein, if an award show is not televised or attended, but just, you know, the winners are announced via Twitter and via their website, did that award show even take place? What are your guys' thoughts? What happened to the Golden Globes this year? A tragedy. It's a major, major tragedy because like Moira Rose, my favorite season is awards. Hmm. And my favorite show is, um, award show is the Golden Globes, and it is because everyone is coming back after the holidays, after the big, um, you know, break, and it's exciting to see who's wearing what, who's coming out with what, and we saw nothing. We heard (laughs) nothing. Yeah. And it's, I heard it's a really big loss for the network as well. It's like 60 million, maybe, that didn't come through, and it's just all across the board for um, the actors, the fashion, the audience, uh, and the film industry, I think it's a huge hit. Yeah, I mean, so they said it was, you know, a a lot of it had to do with COVID, right? Um, They couldn't gather, but 
most people are saying that what they were really afraid of was a boycott because of the fact that, you know, that all this stuff came out in an LA Times article last year of uh, facts such as all these people get wined and dined and, you know, Let's say if a show wants to get nominated, then they'll fly members of the Hollywood Foreign Press out uh, to visit the set. Also, other stories like there are zero African American members. Um, you know, uh, that's that's a part of the organization. And for all of these reasons, I mean, I don't know how much of it that they fixed or changed, but they were definitely scared that if they did have it, that no one would attend. Now, my question is, and you know, just feel free to respond: Is do you guys think that? next year they'll be back or is, are they just done no more no more golden globes no more hollywood foreign press no i don't think that's true i think they'll always be yeah. around but i think we've discussed in previous episodes about the politicized aspect you know especially when you brought up the whole like not enough black members uh or uh, uh nominees or just of that sort you know even for us asian americans right we have our own award show but like it's you know it's like separated from you know the golden globes where i'm just like i i don't know why we have to do that i i get it that we, we're trying to represent our own ethnic ethnicity but at the same time like the golden globes is just kind of like i don't know why they, they aren't pushing for more diversity i guess in that sense um but i don't think they're gonna go away it might i think it might slow down for sure i think that uh, it's going to go, for me, more digital. So instead of really live, I, I you know, because I just, I think COVID's here to stay as well. And I think that it's still going to cause issues. Hmm. I think COVID yeah. has become this big excuse for why certain things aren't happening. Uh, you know, from why can't I see my friends to why is there no um, awards. Um, but to me, I think the main reason awards aren't happening is because they are becoming somewhat archaic. The new mm. generation doesn't care about that because so many times the artists that, um, you know, the, the youngins love to see um, or want to see win, a lot of times don't even get nominated. So they can't relate to this nostalgia that maybe we have had as children watching these shows and knowing what that means to us. I mean, kids aren't going to the movies. They're not appreciating it as no. much as we do. So to them, it's like a superlative that doesn't matter. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. That is a good point. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with that point. I think that the tides are changing. I don't think that they might, people will be watching less movies, but I think it's, it's evolving and changing. Um, I, I, I think they'll be back, but like Will said, in a digital or a different platform, um, some kind of evolution of the show. But uh, back to the, the point, I, I, I want to use this, this. This might sound like a strong word, but cowardice on the part of the Harlow Foreign Press and kind of the Globes is to not tackle, like you said, all these issues of whether it be COVID or not, um, um, racial issues or whatever, it, on their part as an organization to tackle these things and to have an answer for it to try something at least you know um these are grown adults um dealing with it that don't want to be like you said criticized or blamed or whatnot and even if they did um i don't know it, it's not an excuse like if they have a new format next next year like they they should have had a plan for this year or something it's, it's literally it just didn't happen it was mm -hmm. behind closed doors and on like ig you found out oh wait 
it happened last week you know so it's yeah. i don't know i just see it as as yeah just the lack of better word cowardice just not dealing with the fact of like getting that criticism as as i mean at the end of the day these this is, this is films and it's awards Hmm. I think I think to tack on well I was going to say tack to, to really quickly tack on to what Kat was saying earlier I, I consider what post post millennials <laughs> millennials in general like this just new wave of generation that's what it basically is coming down to is I feel like in this generation now it's about like I don't know the award new waves or or, or, or like the new post millennial new wave of yeah of we're in a transitory to, we're in a transitory time I think yeah of, it's, of, it's, of, of everything every sector of 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 life but it's not in for me it's like this is not involving the art form of film anymore you know it's it's involving i feel like every aspect of politics and and mostly politics actually that's you know from what i can see i just wanted to add that while they were being held behind closed doors, they were being live tweeted for the same length of time that the award show would have been held. <laughs> like, spare me. Like, by the time they were getting to, like, best film or best actor, like, I was already in bed. Like, there's nothing exciting about just reading a tweet about who won. <laughs> and also, um, just in addition to how the industry is changing, it is impossible to keep up with all of the releases that are happening. When we were younger, you know, there were several film studios that were putting out films and we heard about them from trailers, you know, that we saw on TV or on billboards. Now there's so many streaming services and so many platforms that it's like, it's really hard and overwhelming to keep up with everything. And when so much that's being put out isn't even that great um you just kind of get discouraged from watching anything so i think yeah it's really hard to narrow down some great films i mean the list goes on from all of the platforms that are out there but it's just trying to keep up with them and then narrow it down to like your best is is just very very hard because i didn't even see some of my favorites on the list uh, for nominees and i thought they sure would be yeah the industry is evolving a lot that's because your favorites are very odd, Cat. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> wait, did, did Hopkins I, I can't hear. Have a movie I can't this wait. Year? No, he did not. No. Hopkins did not make yeah. a nominee this year, but he oh. didn't need to. The father yeah. was so phenomenal. <laughs> it was. It was. And I can't wait to hear your list, Cat. Uh, let's go through the winners real quick. Uh, I did want to say Power of the Dog won for Best Dramatic Picture. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, was not a fan of that film at all no 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 Uh, and i just want to say like i get it i get the whole maybe the budget thing or whatever but to shoot a film about montana and new zealand is almost insulting like the landscape was so (laughs) it is insulting but i don't think i mean is it really hard to get a permit in montana it probably is (laughs) Well, honestly, because, you, you know, a lot of films um, and shows, you've heard them behind the scenes. They either film in Canada, New Zealand, or Georgia. It, it's just so cheap to do it there. And, and especially in Georgia, uh, I, I remember, um, I forgot what film it was I was watching. Uh, oh, it was it was Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, no Way Home. All of that, obviously, is supposed to be in New York. Or, or, or have you well, been yeah, all New in York, Georgia? But like Montana, they couldn't get, like, one rural, like, landscape out of there like they had to shoot everything western in new zealand 
Like that, I think that's where yeah. I checked out. I was like, I love Montana. I want to see this landscape, but knowing that it's not even that, like, and how slow it was. I mean, state yeah. governments, you know, they can be like, this is a national preserve or wherever they wanted to shoot, so you can't shoot here. I mean, it's it's always like I said, the politics behind it. There's always going to be either a lot of money involved or what have you. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even finish it. I watched. Tried to watch it three times. I fell asleep in the first time, twenty minutes in, and I, second time I was like, I can't stand this. And other than Kristen Dunst, I wasn't a big fan of her before. But I mean, she, her performance in that short part that I did see was great. All right, and then uh, let's see West Side Story one for Best Picture. I don't think any of us saw that. Did no. you guys watch West Side Story? <laughs> no. Honestly, it looked exactly like the original, shot for shot, and I'm sure he did something with it. But yeah, I, I mean, to me, yeah, he used I different will see actors. it as soon as I can. What was that? He used different actors. Yeah. Well, he still used, uh, what's her name? Rita Moreno, who yeah. looks like she's like 50, even though I think she's like 90, which is pretty My incredible. My gosh, she, aged yeah. so, she ages so yeah. well. Uh, I, one, love, I love musicals, but I, I just didn't care to ever see that i wouldn't have even put that on my list to see if it wasn't yeah. for wait my, um making a top five list for this yeah Myra, yeah. did you watch it did you no. say you watched it no, no you haven't okay okay i'd like to draw your attention to the fact that will smith finally won an award for uh king richard and i think i thought it was well deserved i mean his category was stacked like literally it's like a murderer's row of uh, academy award nominees and winners but uh yeah he he got it and i think he deserved it yeah i agree he, uh, he is he, he did a great job. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, I think he it reminded me of uh, Pursuit of Happiness, which that character, um, he, he does a great job of. He's done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, I think this was a lot more um, subtle and nuanced in the, in the way that the, the storytelling kind of evolved his character. Um, right. Especially that one last scene, or not last scene, but that scene with the wife. Um, and they're just breaking down each other's past and history. That was just yeah. uh, one of oh, the best yeah. acting scenes this year. Yeah, that yeah. was brutal. Uh, let's see a uh, bunch of other awards for West Side Story. Andrew Garfield won for Tick Tick Boom. I'm sure you're going to be hearing a little bit more about that film uh, in our top five lists. And uh, Cody Smith McPhee won for Best Supporting Actor in Power of the Dog. Apparently, if you just show up acting weird and uh, having a lisp on camera, you'll win an award. And uh, that's exactly what he did. Sorry, I, I I did not like that movie. He at all. did bring some softness to the you know to the to the <laughs> male bravado in the film. But. Yeah, yeah. Hey, one 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 short uh, shout out to uh, Oh Young Soo from oh, yeah. Squid Game. Yeah, one best supporting actor in yeah. a um as, as drama series. And shout out to Succession. You know, I have yet to see an episode of Succession. Okay, goodbye. Me too. <laughs> Bye. I'm gonna go. Bye. You can't go. The world needs to hear your your oddball choices for top five films. They have to listen to your love for Hopkins. Yes. Oh, did that episode? Did that episode ever come out? Yeah, it did. It did. We were you. We told you. Yeah. I don't know. You guys, wh- where are we? What's happening? I don't know. It feels like What's forever ago. Twenty twenty two already. <laughs> All right, so that was our rundown on the Golden Globes, and uh, we're going to take a short break and come back with our top five movies of the year. Stay tuned. All right, we are back, and as I mentioned earlier in this episode, we are going to be changing things up a bit uh, with how we record our shows. So I will be here most of the time, and then uh, each of our 
awesome, lovable uh, guest host today. They will be taking turns coming in and out uh, depending on the movies that we will be reviewing. For example, every Marvel movie that comes out, we will bring Kat on to 100% review them. What's Marvel? <laughs> that's a, that's a, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's that thing that you make uh, counters out of. Mar- marble counters? Oh, marble. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that was a really terrible joke. Um, anyway, but speaking of Marvel, our next episode, we'll be talking about Marvel uh, in honor of the Eternals coming on Disney+. Plus. Uh, John and I will review that film and take a look at the current state of the MCU. So that would be our next episode. And then we will be coming back with many more in 2022. That is a promise. Yes. I promise. Yes. My right hand is up and I'm looking Excellent. at everyone on Zoom saying this is going to happen. All right. Excellent. Top five movies of the year. But before we get to that, I would love to hear if you have any honorable mentions. You can just rattle off your list very quickly. And, uh, you know, if there's anything you want to say about them, please do. Starting with you, Will, do you have any honorable mentions? Mm, no. No. <laughs> rough okay. start. Rough start. All right. Dang. All right. Kat, <laughs> any honorable mentions? Um, I'll honorably mention Dune, although um, what? I'll have to. I know. I am shocked what? as well. I, as not a Bye. sci-fi nerd at all, someone who's never seen Star Wars, I got so, <laughs> I got so into the universe. And I'm sorry, but, um, oh, my gosh, the guy who plays the father. Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. Okay, you might have to bleep this, but there was not a single dry seat in the movie theater. I swear to you, the girls were drooling. I could not stop. I went with a friend. I held her hand. I was like, who is this guy? Like, I need to know. He's so hot. Um, but I got okay. the world. I got... Um, I understood all the politics that were happening. I thought the scenes were beautiful and... Yeah. The score was great. I mean, um, I'm going to have to wait and see the other two to really put it on the list because it did not make my list. But as a prequel, I thought it was pretty great. Yeah, I had to watch it twice to understand the story. You have to watch the original. You'll love the original. I heard the original is terrible. (laughs) The David Lynch version. Dude, it's a classic, man. It's it's campy. But to what to to say that I need to watch the original to 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 hold this current movie, you know, it, it's saying I, t- it's telling something about this. No, it's not. It's, I, I didn't watch the original, and I you know I enjoyed this. I got it. Yeah. Well, second yeah. time I did enjoy it. It is one of my honorable mentions. I think well, it's the best or- cinematography by far this yeah. year. Yeah. The original yeah. one um, is is a bit uh, cut down. It's it's cut down a lot more. in in the newer version of Dune, there's a lot more that they're putting in to really um uh dedicated to the fans who love yeah. the original the, the book itself so yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. the original if you ever watch the original it's like never-ending story graphic like visual effects and just that kind of feel so yeah <laughs> any others cat yeah um i'll also throw green knight on my honorable yeah. list okay Whoa. you didn't have Goodbye. to like the story or the pacing but visually yeah. It was oh. such a feast. Yes. Like, I haven't seen anything like that. Okay, I'll give that to you. It was yeah. very visually arresting. It was arresting. really interesting. And Alicia Vikander playing several characters in it was really trippy. And there were times when I was like, what is this I'm watching? Like, did they slip me something 
and no, no, it was just uh, just a beautiful, uh, beautiful visuals. I, I was so excited for visually um, just the cinematography. Uh, I think that was my issue. I, I was being fed this these beautiful visuals, but there was no substance for me to grab towards. And so that was so annoying throughout the movie. I well, almost turned it off. Because it's not a modern tale. This was written in like the medieval ages and the story is pretty straightforward. Like you can sum it up in a sentence, but it's yeah, the journey. But the, the, moving, the moving forward too, like the pacing of like what is going on and he gets to that that house and I'm just like, okay, this new person, who is she supposed to be? And um, it, it, it was, I, I, yeah, I, I just never connected the story yeah, I had some issues with the narrative as well. Uh, it felt yeah. like uh, it, the filmmaker made the decision. It's okay if not everything makes sense, as long as visually I'm, you know, you you are paying attention, and I'm going to wow you with what you see. That that's the feeling that I got, and I wasn't Agreed. a huge fan. I felt like it needed more plot. Yeah, but just something yeah. more to to move it forward. Yeah, um, the talking yeah. fox was moving it forward for me. Ah, got it, got it. <laughs> Uh, I'll, 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 I have a few. I'll I'll have a few. I'll only mention one, but because um, I think the other one, other ones, you guys will probably be. It'll probably be on your list. Uh, the one is No Time to Die. If you Ooh. know me, I'm, I love my Bond films from all different types, Bronson to Connery to Craig. Um, I I just haven't been that sad in a movie in a long time because I knowing that it was his his last one and how they ended it and yeah. It was just—it was just like it was just a very emotional film for me to watch. So, and I think he did a great job. Yeah, it wasn't I lo- Skyfall, but you know. Yeah, I love the dialogue in that movie, and then I realized it was because uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge was one of the co-writers. She was uh, behind uh, Fleabag, which is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Period, oh. and also she re- was one of the showrunners for Killing Eve. So uh, yeah, it was—it was very enjoyable. Yeah, I yeah. did like it. I'm just going to rattle off my list of honorable mentions without getting to, into any details. I just want to just pay homage to these films because I really did love them. They just fell short of my list. Being the Ricardos, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, definitely great to see. Free Guy really surprised me. Like, really, really, really surprised me. Uh, the Lost Daughter, starring Olivia Coleman, um, wasn't such a huge fan of the movie, but I did really, really love her performance. Spider-Man No Way Home. One of the best popcorn flicks I've seen in a very long time. King Richard, and then lastly, The Card Counter. Kat, if you like Oscar Isaac, you need to watch The Card Counter. I, I know, yeah. it's on my list. It yeah. didn't make it, but oh yeah. my God, Oscar Isaac is, might be yeah. my new Hopkins. Yeah, mm. my, uh, my, my wife really likes him as well. You need to watch X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> okay, you yeah. guys, I don't do comics, but anything else that Oscar Isaac is in, please send my way. Yeah, I'll... he's purple and blue, and he's the bad guy. Is so. he wearing a uniform? Because him yes. in that uniform, I, like, I could not. I'm like, I'm holding on for dear life right now. Too. Yeah, he's wearing a uniform, and he has a helmet and everything. He's, he's yes. yeah. He's wearing a uniform also in Star Wars, so you need to watch... And we're not going to tell you which Star Wars. You have to watch all of them in order to find out. <laughs> all right. Let's go. Number five. John, what's your number five film Oof. of the year? Um, okay. So I, I love my musicals. And um, I love my entertainment. Oh, so let me just preface by uh, my, f- top, my top movies is always number one. Um, like what I base it off of is film experience. From front to back, how much did I enjoy it? How much was I immersed um, and just the experience when you're in a theater or even at your home or even a laptop or iPad or whatever where you watch movies. I hope you don't watch it on your phone. But um, 
just you know the emotional pull through front and back and number five is in the heights It's the second most enjoyable experience this year. Cat. Sorry. Cat is laughing right. hysterically. Yeah. Right. Hey, let him speak. Dragging. Let so him fast. speak. Here you go. It's, okay, so I did watch Tick, Tick, Boom. Actually, um, one of my honorable mentions, but I think one of you guys, it should be on one of you guys. It was a great film. But it was better music than Tick, Tick, Boom. And yeah, it was just the definition of fun musical with heart and relatability. I mean, yeah, there's issues with you know all the the backlash of whatever racial things and um things like that but uh, for, as a movie i think it held well together it was a fun enjoyable movie it didn't take itself too seriously um it was t- uh, telling you know these these stories that we all know and um the acting was amazing scene was amazing the visuals were the set piece visuals and in each like big musical number was incredible absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was very good. All right. Yeah. I respect your, your number five, even though I don't think Kat does. <laughs> but I'm not a musical fan. Yes. So I just, I, gonna, I don't Kat think a musical music. will ever, I hate music. I hate people singing. <laughs> what if Oscar Isaac was singing? To then I, pro- I wouldn't have to mute him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. If you don't like my number five, Kat, you'll, you'll definitely um, just disown me after my number one. So. Ooh. I can tell you what my number five is. Yes. What is your I hate musicals and I typically don't like animated films. And coming off last year when I thought Soul was probably one of the worst things I've seen in my entire life, you have my number are. five is Luca. You guys want it just as bad as I do. You have the hunger. That's the most important thing. I'm definitely hungry. Perfecto. You eat, you bike, and I swim. (laughs) Underdogs? Underdogs. Now we just need money for the entry fee. From my dad. Oh, I love Luca. No, Luca's great. Respect for Cat is rising. Wow. She is opening up her, uh, what do you call it? Silencio Bruno. You guys, it was so cute. There's a, I just, I loved everything about it. Um, I mean, a little sea monster who dreams of Vespa, say no more. That that was it? That's what got you? <laughs> the whole, again, it's the whole thing. It was so stinking cute. The little, I think the little fish who are supposed to be sheep really drew me in. And I was like, okay, I'll watch this. <laughs> Yeah, I, I enjoyed it too. I, I, I like what you're saying. It was about hope. Um, it, it, it reminded me a little bit of an adaptation of The Little Mermaid, but told differently from a little, you know, young boy's. It was who, so um, under the radar too. Like yeah. it wasn't really, uh, was advertised as much. Yeah. It was I Pixar. have not seen this movie. Yeah, it's Pixar. It's yeah. Pixar. So for a Pixar movie, yeah, I remember thinking, man, it was under advertised. I really thought it would it would win the Golden Globe, but. Mm. All right. What is your number five, Mr. William? 
My number five, Mr. Myron, is Spider-Man No Way Home. You ready? I'm ready. Nice knowing you, Spider-Man. Wait, excuse me? The entire world's about to forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Everyone? Uh, can't some people still know? That's not how the spell works. So my girlfriend's just gonna forget about everything we've been through? I mean, is she even gonna be my girlfriend? All right, fine. Everyone in the world's gonna forget that you're Spider-Man, except your girlfriend. Thank you so much. Oh my god, Ned. Okay, let's not change the parameters of this spell anymore while I'm casting Okay, I'm done, it. I'm done. I swear I'm done. I'm done. No, but my Aunt May should really know. Just, just oh, stop god. talking to me. This is my top, one of my top trilogy films. And this is actually, I think Tom Holland's my, for me, is my be, uh, the best Spider-Man out of Tobey Maguire and Andrew, Gar- and Andrew Garfield. Uh, Lies. I, I, truths. <laughs> he just carries what I remember reading from the comics of um, just the way how Peter Parker was written. Um, just that more of a kind of a rebel-esque character of, of Peter Parker. And I think, like, I just, I, I don't know, like, he just has more of a likable character that I felt uh, other than Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield because once I saw, you know, obviously if you haven't seen the movie then I'm sorry, but I'm just going to say like when you go back and like see Tobey Maguire's acting like, yeah, he was a a good, decent, you know, for the time of a Peter Parker, but when I saw Andrew Garfield, the way he was was portrayed, I I realized, man, he's really emo. (laughs) I I didn't realize how emo Andrew Garfield was and that kind of just threw me off uh, a bit. So, Uh, no Way Home, such a fun th- thrill ride. Uh, great storytelling, I thought. Um, I thought that it was uh, just shot very well. And and I just, yeah, Tom Holland, man. It was great. I like how, I like how the, the three, uh, the Spider-Men, they actually bounced off each other and their, their characters. That's because where you, yeah, yeah you that's saw, where you yeah. really saw the different personalities of yeah. each character, yeah. And they actually took the time to write in the script of the different personalities, yeah. and so it, it actually worked well. It wasn't just a, a cameo, it was thoroughly it mixed in with the story. By you the way, it, thanks, yeah. oh, thanks for giving away the fact that Andrew Garfield and Tommy McGuire are in the movie, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. If well, you haven't already, seen it already, I already um, prefaced. one of the yeah. biggest <laughs> movies of the year, you had have, you have a month to see this, over a yeah. month. So, Kat. but here, the other question yeah. I want to say is like, I, I, wait, Cat, you saw it, right? <laughs> I I would put money on it that she did not see this movie. Oh, thanks. Uh, guys, I'm willing to bet you haven't seen the ones on my list. So maybe you never know. I saw Luca, so yeah, well, I, bet I haven't five. seen. I I okay. am calling over under. Like the number of movies I've seen on Cat's list, the over under would be one and a half, and I am calling the under. I think I've only probably seen one movie on your. Is list. Is it Luca? No, I think. No, I haven't seen Luca. Oh, so. well, then, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was gonna call under two, but I've seen Luca, so that surprised me. So, Myron, your number uh, five. My number five is Belfast. Be careful what you wish for. Is that the minister of the Wee Mission says? When is your next chance? We have to do a project about the moon landing. What did those boys not come back from that? They did. You know we have to cut things out of the papers and explain how they got there. If they did get there, they did get to the moon. It's not what it says here. God doesn't like it. And I watched every night too that they were up there. 
And how did I never see Mike Collins in the mothership doing his orbit? Surely you would have seen the sheep of Columbus against the light of the moon. No, that's because mostly he was on the dark side. Exactly, it's the side that Lucifer hangs his shillelagh. No, he was on the dark side of the moon most of the time where we couldn't see him. You know, when he was doing his orbit and then maybe, you know, just before he was due to come around the corner, you had to go in for your tea. So the trailer made me think it would be one type of movie. There are a couple of movies on my list, actually, where I felt like the trailer and how the film was marketed was completely different than the, the movie itself. Um, the trailer made it seem like it would be a very happy, very go lucky children's film. It's not really a really happy movie. It's uh, it's about growing up. It's about losing a, a certain sense of innocence because you realize how the world really works. And that happens in this movie because of uh, the tensions between Protestants and Catholics. Um, you really get into family dynamics and, uh, you know, there are scenes where the father and mother are fighting and uh, the scenes are very convincing, very real. And the topics that they're fighting about are, are stuff that's uh, very relatable. But overall, it was still a very moving film, uh, very, very well acted. I personally thought Siren Hines stole the show. Uh, I believe his character name is Pop, but he plays uh, uh, the main character whose name is Buddy. Uh, he plays his grandfather. I thought he was by far the best actor in the ensemble. Um, Really, really well acted, very well written, and that kid was incredible. And the reason why I like this movie so much is the choices they made in terms of just editing or, or shooting. This kid has, I don't think he's ever acted before, but right away, like in the first maybe couple of scenes, uh, he's talking to his parents and they're, you know, having this, this really uh, like serious conversation. And he's in the room with Katrina Balf and Jamie Dornan, who are two seasoned actors, but there are moments where like, the camera just stays on the kid. They don't cut away. And it's like it's not like Harry Potter where it's a very well-known fact where in the first couple of movies, Chris Columbus had to direct the actors in such a way that uh, they would get just snippets and sections of, of their acting because yeah, they're three kids. Or four and they, or five of the cameras, yeah. Yeah, and they had to cut away very, very quickly uh, to hide any sort of imperfections. But this kid, they just let him hold the frame. And it's pretty amazing. Uh, that happened throughout. Very unique framing choices. Very unique uh, choices for what to, to bring the audience's attention to. Um, really, really well directed. Very well written. Very well acted film. And uh, yeah, that's why it's on my on my list at number five. Belfast is actually number two on my list because, um, as we've discussed before, I love a little boy-driven story like Jojo Rabbit, and I thought it had a little bit of that vibe where you get this, like, child's, like, innocence in this very crazy, like, dramatic adult-driven world, and mm -hmm. I absolutely loved everything about it, and... It actually made me cry. I saw it in the theater and it, it like really got to me. I thought it was a beautiful story. Aww. And the way he <laughs> loved the little Catholic girl. Are you kidding? That was cute. That yeah. was really funny. I laughed out loud in that one scene where uh, he was trying to do better in school just so that he could he sit, sit next, next to her. To her. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> she like replaced her and she had to sit behind them. By the way, that's, oh. pretty, that's pretty screwed up though to have... Your kids sit in the order of how they're doing in school. Yeah, that's messed up. Oh, that that scene, the cinematography was amazing. Yeah. How yeah. he uh, kept it on that seat, and then yeah. they didn't rack focus to the back until they switched. Yeah, and then the, it just slowly reveals, and they're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, yeah. very cool. So you said Is this not... kid was this kid like you said wasn't an actor really, or no. no? 
Yeah, they basically told they basically told him know your lines, but more than that, just be in the moment. It's react to the actors around you. That's what they told him to do, Ooh. and he did a really good job. Did this make like your list well. at all, John? This is actually in my number four. Okay. Yeah. So um, tell I, us why you picked it. Yeah. Well, well, I want to say they, there was a in state of the movies in general. There's a lot of artsy movies. I feel like these days. Now, now you know yeah. me. I'm, I'm, you know, I. That's my profession. I work in the, the arts industry. I, I, I'm creative. So, um, but as our artsy film goes, this is, I think, uh, what I why I loved it was it was a simple story, and I love the choices of the black and white and when they use the color, to show emotion. Oh, yeah. it, it was very purposeful, and you can tell within the scenes, um, the whole cast, like you said, Myron, the the kid is amazing, um, but um, yeah, I think the simple emotions and then especially that that scene, I think. With the boy and the grandpa, um, yeah, yeah, he's, she's, he's telling it, he wants to it, his grandpa to stay and they're in the hospital or something, yeah, um, and yeah, it was just so moving, uh, you yeah. know, me with like father and son things, yeah. um, I get very emotional, but yeah, that that was kind of where like it hit stuck to me, and then every scene after that with the parents and everything, um, as the story progresses, it was just like grounded within the kid, yeah, so yeah, it was just superb, yeah, yeah, fantastic. I'm glad that we, well, most of us agree on, on having that on our list. Um, well, did it right. make your list at all? Yeah, I, I said it was number five. Oh, Will, Will, no, for Will. Will. I'm Will, Myron. You're yeah. Myron. Will, Will didn't watch it. No, I didn't watch it. No. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> oh, oh, touche. Dang. That was the most savage goodbye because she said it in yeah. such a pleasant way. All right. Kat, what is your number four film? Um, my number four is The Last Duel. A most unspeakable charge has been brought against you. Jacques Legree entered our home. He attacked me. The accusation is false. I am telling the truth. The truth does not matter. There is only the power of men. This should be settled quietly. I'm innocent! I request a duel to the death. If you lose, your wife will suffer dire consequences. One of us has lied. Let us let God decide. Whoa, we agree on something. And my (laughs) over-under, I am wrong on my under. But anyway, why did you pick it? Um... Okay, because of several things. Um, The story, I think, is so timeless. Um, I mean, that with so many things not aging well, uh, this is still transcending time and still accurate today. I did enjoy the storytelling through different chapters and how um, it was just like these and it's also like the roles of men and women in society where these two guys were fighting off um, for their like egos while she actually experienced something so traumatic and how it was just really very well told. Um, I thought the most tragic thing that did this film uh, not so well is just the way it sounds when you tell 
people what it is. It's like, oh, let me go see that medieval night movie with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Adam Driver. And people just kind of get turned off. But um, if you actually give the film a chance, the, it's it's stunning. It's shot it beautifully. Um, I do think it's his best work since, um, since obviously Gladiator, you know, wow. the scenes. Uh, the battle scenes are just so intense. The costumes are stunning. The uh, the whole production is just beautiful. I did hate some of the saturation, uh, like the filtering that was in the film. Mm -hmm. I think that's my only meh. But overall, um, I watched and I went back and rewatched certain scenes because there are so many like missable details. And I actually yeah. don't mind anyone's hair haircut choices. So, <laughs> so th that was my one issue I had with the movie. Everyone was great. Um, for some reason, I felt like Matt Damon's haircut, like like he fell out of, he was an extra on the set of like Meet Joe Dirt or something. <laughs> he had like oh. this weird like fade mullet action going on. I was like, all right, okay, cool. But that was like I know my people really... hated it, yeah. but I it did not take away from the story for me. Yeah, Matt Damon, he's he gets like a lot of like hate. Like if he's in a yeah. film, people like have these preconceived notions, and like they automatically think like, oh, it's bad acting, or he can't do that. So they have this measuring stick for him, and I think he gets a lot of a uh, uh, yeah dislike for that. Mm. I'll go into it later. It's on my list later. So is it on your list? Yeah, it's on number two. Um, I think it's a master filmmaker, really Scott, uh, showing his storytelling prowess. Um, if you, uh, if you've seen it or know the history behind the the true story, it's based upon uh, you know the the subject matter um, is, is is very heavy. It's about rape, but um, even with all the talk around the subject matter or the production of the film and you know men making it and all that stuff. Um, the film itself uh, shows and focuses, I think, on the storytelling. Um, so I'll, I'll quote um, uh, a review which tells it better than I could. So, quote, um, but these things are uh, sexual assault, pervasion of rape culture. We already know such commentary has been done to death at this point and frequently in ways which come across as tone deaf and trite. Instead, Damon, Affleck and Hall Center have penned a skilled illustration of how men see the world differently and how rape culture is born out of these lived-in blind spots. The decision to tell the 150-minute story through three separate ones not only begets a stunning compelling narrative that allows for multi-layered characters, end quote. So I think it's the genius of the uh, storytelling and the three, way, three acts that each actor portrayed three different characters almost. Mm -hmm. You know, it's because it's the point of view of different things. Particularly what impressed me was actually Matt Damon because each one, it, his character was so different. Changed the most. Yeah. yeah, yeah. From the beginning, you're like, oh, he's he's the, the protagonist. He's a hero. And then at the end, you're like, what the heck from the point of view? Um, I don't know if I'm giving too much away or whatnot. No, but, I don't think so. Um, I think, yeah, the specific portraying. Like I was going back to Matt Damon. Like I think people think he's a bad actor. Um, and I'll say, Myron, with one person that we both know um that uh 
that saw the movie as well, I was talking to her about it, is she said, I will not name her, but uh, she said it was one of the worst movies she's ever seen. And I was like very having this dialogue with her about Matt Damon because she hated Matt Damon. And I was totally backing him up Um, because, yeah, like those things, like those little hair choices or whatnot, like those quirks. I think it's easy for people to, you know, have an opinion about him. But with especially because this wasn't like a gladiator. You know, this wasn't like the riveting bravado of Russell Crowe. She even said, like, he's no Russell Crowe. Well, this story wasn't made to be a Russell Crowe character. Um, And again, like I think the movie experience, like I said before, from front to back, I think it was a short film, even if it was, to me, even if it was 150 minutes. And um, the fight scenes were told and portrayed, again, like only really Scott could. So it's actually one of my, um, later when we talk about um, best scenes of the year, there's a, Actually, it's not going to be in that for me, but that sword scene where Matt Damon, um, the fight scene where he impales the sword in the guy's head and brings his shoulder and pulls him down into the sword. And then he gets the other guy's like armor, wraps it around his hand and just beats the guy. You've never seen that in a medieval fight scene before. So little things like that. I think it was ingenious. Yeah, um, yeah really loved it. Very cool. It was actually my number one film of the year. Whoa! Um, yeah, it's just because... I'm all about the movie going experience and uh, usually I'm trying to pick it apart and guess what's happening and trying to, to study it from like a, I don't know, from like a critical perspective. But like by the end of the film, I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. Do I, I, I want to look it up so I, so I know because it was based on a true story. And I was like, no, you're not going to look it up. You're going to experience this. I was literally like gripping my chair because I didn't know what was going to happen. And the stakes were so clear. I mean, obviously, this movie is about you can ascertain the last duel ever fought, meaning, and you know, from just by watching the trailer, you know what the fight is over. But the course it takes to get there, and just the layering of stakes on top of that, it was very clearly communicated, and it was also just you really felt for for her character, Jodie Comer's character. Um, in a way that I didn't realize I would. And, you know, they call this, it's a Me Too movie, right? But I didn't feel like it was heavy-handed or overly preachy. It made you just care about the characters and most specifically uh, Jodie Comer's character. And the actors are just so good in it. Like, you know, say what you will about Matt Damon, but his character was supposed to be like a, basically a brutish idiot, basically, that's uncouth and uh, has no idea how to talk to people or even act. So I thought he was good. I thought Ben Affleck was sneaky good in it. He was just like, like hateable, but you liked him while you're still hating him. It was kind of like a Jamie Lannister kind of guy. Um, Let's not forget Adam Driver, who's like great in everything he does. Like I can't think of one thing I've seen with him that wasn't great. Actually, I will not, I haven't seen House of Gucci to be honest. So I won't, you know, I won't hold that against him, but I'm sure he was great in that. He is not scared to play horrible people and he dives into it with just reckless abandon. And it, I mean, that guy has played some terrible people, but it makes you still, you're, you're riveted by him and you're, you want to see what he does next because he's that good. I mean, he freaking killed his dad in Star Wars, right? Yeah. And then here (laughs) he, he does something in a very, 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 very uncomfortable scene. But he also uh, makes you believe that like what he does is like not bad. Like from his point of view, the way he acts it out is that like 
he actually believed she was like into him yeah, yeah. and like yeah, yeah like, realized what he did was wrong yeah yeah, yeah. probably thought he was telling the truth True. as well yeah and in, in to that him, era, it was yeah. like in reciprocal like that's how compelling he is that he thought that scene was like some sort of like reciprocal sign of affection yeah yeah. It's crazy. She was great. The she's the phenomenal. And then yeah. I think one of uh, the most um, fascinating scenes in the film is the courtroom scene when they're like, "Well, oh, yeah. to get pregnant, you have to do this," and it's like, "Wow!" Like, oh, the nuances of acting and the cutaways. Oh, yeah, just just brilliant. It, I felt like I was watching like the the pinnacle of like any like modern day court movie. It's just yeah, perfect. Yeah. So that ended up on most of our list will what is your number four film all right well very dramatic film you guys are all talking about and here's mine free guy <laughs> hey jody Comer connection here you are dreamy your taste in blue shirts and five octave musical superstars it's deeply deeply attracted to me but i can't keep spending all my time with you i created this world that i can't live my life in it see that's so hard so what are you gonna do anything i want thanks to you i'm not stuck in a loop anymore neither are you dude i mean free guy really like exceeded my expectations i did not think this film was going to be anything special but a simple uh, simple like comedy with a simple narrative but it had some twists like, where i was just like oh whoa this like you know the whole world and and like what the whole concept was like it, it was so random but sean levy made it work to where i was like this is great <laughs> This is this is such a this is such a, uh, a a very like sneaky like film that just leads you thinking one thing and you completely realize this is a completely different type of adventure. So yeah, it, I, I, I yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it. It offered a very unique like social commentary. I would say just on the state of of who we are and how and how we're so obsessed with like these characters and games as if it it, it exactly. is our lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, very relatable to this day and age, especially with now like NFTs and, and the virtual digital world of owning property in the digital world. And, and, you know, like, but to, to think that this kind of, this kind of film, uh, leading you into a different perspective of what, what these NPCs, uh, which means non-playable character can do. Like, I was just like, huh. It's like they're trying to pave the way for what's going to come up next in our future or something. Yeah. <laughs> kind of scary, but yeah. It is. Yeah. All right. Great choice, Will. All right. So before we continue on with our list, uh, we had some extracurricular questions. I don't don't even know if that phrase makes sense, but uh, we had some things that I wanted you to all chime in on. And uh, first thing I, I asked you all was to name your the worst thing that you saw this year. Uh, we want to be nice, but at the same time, we gotta call that call out the bullshit when when we see it. So I wanted to ask you first, Will, what is the worst thing that you saw this year? Matrix Resurrection. Really? I, I, uh, I could really I could not. 
Stand I liked it. it. I liked but it. You, I, did you really? I liked, I liked the, it too. I liked it. Was there was no so other way to do cutter. it. There was no other way that what it wasn't that, cookie cutter. It was oh. so like oh, it, it, the spin yeah. and, and how they kept like call, the callbacks. Like when I realized that they're calling it back to the original, I was like, oh shoot, this is actually kind of ingenious. And then the way they're doing it. You were also very funny. high when you watched this, weren't you, John? <laughs> yeah, probably right. That's Wait, why. oh, I, no, oh my, no, yeah, you were. Yeah, 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 I was, I was. I was. Okay, <laughs> first of all, I, I will say this: from a technical point of view, how is it that the visual effects twenty years ago looked a lot better than these visual effects? I, I did not think these visual effects no, were no, as impressive actually, as, as the original ones. I were. actually rewatched the, the the trilogy after I watched this, and it wasn't as good as people thought like some of the lighting was bad um the, they even took like you know the sound effects and things like that even the sure. over contrasty things they took it from the original series so it wasn't like a picture perfect sci-fi um cinematography revolution it, the, the first three matrix was actually there's like not that um good scenes in there um and visually but it, it, I honestly like think the court no, I, but the, the, well, on top of that though, I think the fight choreography was not as good as like the first Matrix fight choreographies, I, and and I, I thought it was a bit predictable and just uh, recycled in a way that, but it was slow for me. You yeah. know, I, they, I just, they, they I didn't just, do yeah. anything new other than the, the storytelling of of switching it up. But anyway, yeah, the Wachowski. One of, it was only the one Wachowski that that directed it, but I, it was I, I I don't know I just couldn't get into it. Mm. I just yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. Agree to disagree, but uh, yeah. All <laughs> yeah. Right. How about you, uh, John? What was the worst thing that you saw this year? Uh, Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything more because I don't wanna. I'm gonna like deep. I could deep dive into LeBron, but um, yeah. You, you hate LeBron more now than before, right? <laughs> because of that film or did that film have no impact on how you see him it it, it didn't it, it, because i see him as a basketball player and um the film not it, an actor no yeah no i i mean i well it's not because of him only like everything about that movie was just dull right. and um and this is not just coming from a, a you know a jordan fan and who loved the original but it just that movie was just terrible in all all aspects I just okay. want to just say, as a side note, I think it's really funny right now looking at Cat, like staring at us, <laughs> having no just idea. Just blank. I have nothing <laughs> to say. It's like for the first time, I literally have nothing to say. Oh, you will, you will agree, Cat, that that you should never see this movie. Even if you did, you would agree with me as well. <laughs> I, I, I passed on this one. I, I knew it wouldn't be good. I I just know. I just needed to see it because I love the original so much. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right, Kat, what's, your, what's the worst oh, thing Kat. that you saw this year? The worst thing I saw this year was the trailer for House of Gucci. And the trailer? I've, <laughs> I have never had a trailer. No, actually, there were two. Tra I've never had a trailer turn me <laughs> off from a film the way the trailer for House of Gucci did. That yeah. and Licorice Pizza. There was after what? watching both of those, like I was like, these films are not for me. I cannot, I, I can't, I cannot subject myself to this torture. Yeah. So, do really? with that what you will. That, that wow, means judging judging a book by its cover. It sounds like right now, guys. But here's the thing: the, the marketing department is like, okay, how do we? What do we put in this trailer to get the most number of people to want to watch it? What you're saying, Cat, is whoever created, whoever marketed this film. 
completely failed, right? And I'm the target out. audience. Yeah. Tec- yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Like. Just you, Cat. You are the only targeted audience. I am the target audience, and they they missed it in so many ways. And I loved the book. I've read the book. She is there not was... the only target audience. Yeah. <laughs> it was an odd trailer. Movie. Like I, I don't know know what Lady Gaga's accent was. I don't know what everyone was doing. And then Al Pacino's in it doing Al Pacino things. It was just felt very <laughs> weird. Just everything about it. I could, like even the billboards turned me off. Like there was that one time when you're driving through like West Hollywood and it's on every corner, on every bus stop, and there was no escaping it. And I just, I've never not wanted to see anything less. Mm. I think it, it they marketed way too mainstream for I think your, um, I guess I don't want to say like uh, taste level yeah. no that's you know what I, I mean like yeah 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 what you're interested in it it too it looked too poppy you i think but not only that it's like the the accents like i wanted to be excited about the fashion i wasn't it's it's just like everything that i want to see in the film like that was a miss all right well for me the worst thing i saw this year was the first three episodes of the morning show season two and i had to stop from watching anymore i don't know if any of you watched morning show season one but did you watch it, Kat? I did. Yeah. I, I actually watched it. I didn't mind it. But knowing that season two came out, like I wasn't excited. I wasn't running for it. Like yeah. I don't care. Yeah. So season one was actually, I thought it was underrated. It had to do with a sort of toxic environment, I believe, that was a part of the Today Show in which Matt Lauer was doing all sorts of very toxic, horrible uh, sexually inappropriate things. So this show kind of explores that with fictitious characters. Um, you have like Steve Carell, who's the Matt Lauer type character. His co-host is played by Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon is this hot, like I was about to say young upstart, but hot upstart who is, comes onto the show to kind of join Jennifer Aniston. And then you have Billy Crudup acting like Billy Crudup. Um, but season one was good. And uh, you know, they, what they were trying to do was take, headlines that we know of and kind of twist it and then show it to us in a new way, right? Season two starts, they announce it. I'm like, oh, I wonder what this is going to be about. And then the first three episodes I'm watching them and then I'm thinking, oh God, please don't do a show about COVID. Please don't do a show about COVID. And yeah, they do a show about how people start getting COVID. That, that's the, the storyline for season two. Who's going to get it? How the news comes out? And then it just is a total train wreck. And somehow, I don't know why, they have Steve Carell's character who like fled to Italy to be by himself so that people can stop treating him like a horrible human being. And they try to redeem his character somehow. I'm like, what is going on here? So I, I just stopped. I, I, I had to, I was, it was like, like nauseously terrible. Is that a word? I don't know. Nauseous. It made me nauseous. Yeah. All right. That is the worst thing that we saw. Do not watch these things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to number three. Kat, why don't you start us off? All right. This is a film that no one saw. And when I did, I thought it would be on everyone's like best film, best acting, best everything. And it's called Mass. Can you come help me set up? What do we need to set up? The room for the meeting. But the room's okay? I think so. The placement of the table is good. 
Do you have the tissue box? Of course. Oh, no, no, I'll put it in the center. It looks freaky. Right, I'm sorry, of course. What are these? That was a school project. It's supposed to be stained glass. Is there something wrong? I don't know if I can do it. Is the room okay for you? Table and chairs. Jesus watching us. It's great. Richard, Linda, this is Jay and Gail Perry. How are you? We're fine. Thanks. I'm grateful to see you all together finally. And I'm hopeful that we all think that this was a good thing to do by the time we leave here today. Which I'm sure none of you have heard of. And I, I just, crickets. just kidding. literally, I'm telling you, no one has seen this, but it, I think it has like 98 or like 95% Rotten Tomatoes rating. It's a film completely led by a cast of four, um, almost watches as a stage play. Everything is just so well thought out. And it kind of starts from far out and closes in without spoiling the film I'll just give a quick little synopsis that it's two couples two parents who come to see each other at a church because both of them have lost a child and through the dialogue and the performances we find out what the circumstances are and it's a very difficult watch for anyone who is a parent. I'm not a parent. I cannot watch this. I gotta see this. <laughs> I, I want to see. I'm not a parent, and I like. I felt it. Like I felt. I very much felt it. Um, for I will give you a hint, kind of like what it deals with. Um, it the subject matter is similar to the best animated short of oh. last year. So by okay. mass, you mean mass shooting? Well, that like that's kind of kind of like what we find out, but also mask because it's in the church. I mean, there's a lot and the performances are so stellar. And there are times when you forget that you're watching actors play these roles rather mm. than like real people experiencing this raw emotion, because I'll just say one more thing that both of these couples lose a son in high like high school children oh god gotcha yeah gotcha. yeah i see yep. jason isaacs is in it he's always good in everything he does I'll it watch was, this it, um for sure yeah it's brilliant and it's by uh fran kranz who looks he's has been in a few films i forget what he's known for but he kind of looks like shaggy from scooby-doo and this is just such a stellar knockout of a, like a directorial debut hmm Wow, this was filmed in 14 days. That's crazy. 14 days, four on which were of exterior shots. It's just so much, like, it's just brilliant. You guys have to see it. And I'm wow. just, I cannot believe that no one has seen this or is talking about it. Okay. I will watch this movie. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about it when right. you all do. Okay. All right. John, what is your number three film? My number three film is Oink Oink Pig. Pig. I'm looking for a truffle pig. I don't 
I, I, I don't understand. I just want to know about the pig. Tell him who you are. Come on, tell him. Chef Feld. Oh my God. Uh, may I? How are you? My God, you, you, you've been off the scene for what, uh, 10 years? 15. Really? Okay. I thought you would, um, well, I mean, the time is very, uh, Sure. Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, so... Oh, artsy John here, Mr. Artsy Fartsy. Yeah. Well, my, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, he's, he's you know how I love fartsy. my Artsy... <laughs> Mr. Artsy Fartsy John. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it had me hooked, uh, this compelling story. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a, a story like this before. Um, obviously, it's... I mean, when you see the trailer, it's you expect one thing. I think the movie shows a different uh, unfolding of a story that you might not expect or you never heard um the story just evolves each layer is new and fresh and complex um and it's ultimately rooted in a story of love and loss so i think um that's what hit home for me uh the other big thing is nicholas cage uh, i think he's one of the best actors of our generation his generation um and uh i know we, we all make memes you know people always you know about him make fun of his tics and quirks whatever um but uh, he shows <laughs> he, uh, he shows i think in the pig that uh, he has subtleness a depth and only a seasoned vet can uh, deliver uh, like there's just the nuances um i think there there weren't it was it's not a lot of dialogue heavy from him but yeah as the story unfolds it's just so you feel it like he's sitting there um, there's a scene with him and another gentleman, and you just feel it. Like he just it, there's just shots of him, and then he just says a few words, and you're just like broken and pushed and pulled in these emotions. So I think is for for that, um, yeah, number three movie. How about you, uh, you, Will? I believe you've you've gone through number five and number four. Is that correct? Yes. You're on to number three now. What is your number three it, film of the year? It was one of you guys or a couple of you guys honorable mentions. Uh, Dune for me. My planet Arrakis is so beautiful when the sun is low. Rolling over the sands, you can see spice in the air. The outsiders ravage our lands in front of our eyes. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. What's to become of our world? Ooh. Visual and technical masterpiece. I thought it was shot so brilliantly and um, very much that, well, obviously uh, directed by Dennis Villanueva. He did Blade Runner, you know, Arrival, Sicario. So very like, similar style of Blade Runner. And I loved that. I love that kind of style. Um, but yeah, I mean, from per which, what we already talked about, I am excited for the, I, I didn't even know when I watched the original, I thought, oh, okay, this is what it is. It's going to be a remake. But then once it ended, I was like, wait, what? This is just part one. <laughs> How thick is this book? And then I had to look it up. I'm like, oh, this is a thick book. <laughs> a lot of the people okay. I talked to, they were, they were mad that it was just cut short like that. They were like, what? 
They wanted yeah, a full, yeah. like, I guess, a fuller uh, first yeah. film, but yeah. Yeah, it's, so. It's too bad Oscar Isaac will not be back for the sequel. Please mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. even. <laughs> it's, it's, it's too, like, it's yeah. too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, Dune is number two on my list, and uh, it's wow. actually, uh, the reason I put it there is it's massive and ambitious, and there is so much stuff going on. You're talking about, like, different languages and like uh religious was it like religious cults or sex sects not s-e-c-t-s sex religious sex anyway we, it. we got you it's okay. we got it i feel we like i didn't even need to uh, uh no. elaborate i think you no. knew it and now i just made it weird yes but anyway um but yeah also this... currency the aspect of a currency system yeah. yeah that's based on not money but more on the the what was it kind of like the barter system of like what they call spice yeah yeah, and then there's the idea of like you know the me- the metaphor of of like imperialism, right? Mm-hmm. How we take advantage of locations or peoples to you know take advantage of the resources that they can provide, and then it even manages to weave in some sort of like biblical like prophecy type storyline with a chosen one, and it all of that if you put it in a movie to me it would fe- it would naturally feel overbloated and confusing and like Peter uh, Skarsgård. Yeah, and like a ton of like tangents and stuff like that. But like, yeah, everything just worked. Everything made sense miraculously. Yeah. My wife and I started watching this really, really late. And uh, we watched the whole thing all the way through. And it was a really amazing experience. Yeah. I watched it in the theater. And I thought it was brilliant. Like in the theater, it was such a great experience. And then I had my boyfriend watch it and he thinks it's the worst $20 he spent on Amazon and that there is no plot to this film. And it's just a sci-fi take on global warming. Tell your boyfriend (laughs) goodbye. (laughs) It's interesting uh, uh, because Blade Runner, it's one of those things uh, that, 2024 or the the sequel or whatever the reboot um it's similar to this it took two watches to fully get it for me maybe yeah maybe i am a slow watcher or it's just the storytelling didn't quite um kind of stick uh chapter by chapter for me but um, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot to consider. Like I said, when you when you see how thick the book is, and this is obviously this book's written in the '80s, and when it came to sci-fi and fantasy, you know, all of those things. Like there's just there's a lot of detail. Yeah. I think that we've talked about it um, outside of too, but yeah, like I, if a book is one thing, but if a film, we have to judge it by the film. And I think, uh, I mean, obviously, you guys. I loved it, and not that I thought it was a terrible movie at by at all. But and a stretch of the imagination, it was a great film. But um, yeah, it, it it just took. I I think the the liberties of the artsy vibe to do it, um, and I think to some people it might, like cat um, your boyfriend, like might not have hit connected with some people. But um, yeah, by by no stretch is it a bad movie. I think it's oh, again, like I said, best cinematography by far this year. Beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. It was really great, yeah. And that also, was a little dark. It, oh, wait. Was it a little what? dark? No, like just everything just the looked dark. Oh, oh, I, I, I love me some underexposed stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. The scale, too, like with everything, it was just yeah. so palpable. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you got to watch it at uh, at AMC, at Myron Cinema. It is like yeah. we watched it at his yeah. house, and it oh. was incredible. Incredible. 
All right, uh, we skipped my number four, so I'm gonna just chime back in real quick here. My number four movie was uh, Tick, Tick, Boom. This is the life of Bo 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 Bo. This is the life of Bo 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 Bo. This is the life of Bo 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 Bohemia. Showers in the kitchen, there might be some soap. Dishes in the sink, brush your teeth if you can cope. Toilets in the closet, you better hope there's a light bulb in there. Prick up your ears. 14 people in just four years. Ed and Max and Jonathan and Carolyn and Carrie. David Timber. Tim was just a guest. Ooh, I remember Tim. Mary, Margaret, Lisa, David, Susan, Stephen, Joe, and Sam. And Elsa, the bill collector's dream who still is on the lamb. Don't forget the neighbors, Michelle and Gate. A life of family, then a family. Hey. The time is flying and everything is dying. I thought by now I'd have a dog, a kid, and wife. The ship is sort of sinking, so let's start. Um, Lin Manuel Miranda's directorial uh, film debut. So I uh, personally uh, identified with this story because I was a huge rent head. Uh, it was one of the first shows I watched on Broadway and I, that show really resonated with me. Not that I, uh, you know, was gay with AIDS living in uh, New York in the eighties, but <laughs> just the idea of creative people coming together, wanting to just rebel against like society and uh, live like there's no other day that we are promised other than today. There was something really amazing and beautiful about that. And then I read about Jonathan Larson, the guy that wrote it, how he watched all of his friends die to this disease and how he never got to see uh, how much his show was loved and what it did in terms of just being groundbreaking for the world and for society. He even like posthumously won a Nobel Prize for, for Rent. Um, so to see his, once I knew that this movie was about Jonathan Larson, I was like, I have to watch that. Um, so then I watched it and honestly, I have to say that it was not as exciting as the trailer because the trailer for me was like a 20 out of 10, but luckily it was still good enough to be on my list. Andrew Garfield was amazing. Uh, it's a virtuoso performance. He sings, he dances, he acts and, um, yeah, it was emotional and it hit all the right notes. The reason why it's not a little higher is because I thought it was a little anticlimactic at the end. Just the idea that he comes to the realization that, oh, it's all about continuing to create. It's not about the goal, but the journey type thing. Um, I, I would have liked to see more, but then, uh, yeah, just overall, it was just a, a, a beautiful and amazing experience. So number, number four movie for me is Tick, Tick, Boom. All right, we are jumping around a little bit, so it can get a little bit confusing, but uh, I believe where we've left off in terms of movies left to discuss is, Will, your number two film of the year. My number two film of the year is King Richard. I fixed Serena's serve because you messed that up. You did what? Yes, I fixed that toss because you messed it up. Mm -hmm. I'm here. I've been here dreaming and believing just like you. Mm -hmm. You just don't want to see me. So... Uh, what you want? What you want? You, you want a thank you? <laughs> That's all right, Richard. That's all right. I don't need your thank you. Unlike you, I don't need the world to tell me I'm great. 
directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green, who I've never, I haven't seen any, any of his other films, Monsters and Men, uh, uh, one, and Joe Bell's the other one. Um, but this biopic was, for me, very awe-inspiring and overall a great film, both technically and story-wise. And I do believe that Will Smith greatly did des- uh, greatly deserved that Golden Globe for his um, representation of uh, Richard Williams. Um, there are There is a YouTube interview of Richard um like a podcast youtube podcast where they go back and revisit his life and question his disciplinary and parenthood uh, parent parental basically skills for his daughters and when you when you listen to his whole journey and not even just like why he did what he did but also because of what he experienced and what he grew up with during the times of black segregation during the times of like when he was a kid, like how, you know, black people weren't allowed to touch white people, uh, even when they were purchasing things like you get a greater understanding to how he decided to do what he did for his daughters, because you think what kind of parent moves to Compton and just has raises their children to live in the most dangerous neighborhood, you know, but the purpose behind all of that. You know what we do see in the film. It, for me, watching that interview enhances it that much more and makes it let me love it that much more. I think like he play he is in real life such amazing father. Um, obviously, when it came to his relationship though with his wife, that that is is where it gets a bit troubling and it's also kind of it's hard to watch and hard to um, also experience how he's trying to balance the two out because he's so focused on, you know, his plan to, to kind of give everything as any parent would their, their kids, the best life that they um, can achieve. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So that was your number two film, King Richard. Um, I think, believe we only have one movie left for each of us. So before we uh, go on to our last film on our list, let's circle back to uh, some of the best things we've seen this year not including the best pictures, which we're going through, but I wanted to ask you all, what was your favorite performance of the year? Starting with you, John. Uh, I think I touched on it before, uh, Nicolas Cage. I think it reaffirms how great he is um, and reminds a lot of the, uh, I guess, the the criticizers, the the people who like to make fun of him, that how um, he he is who he is. Um, I think this is a, uh, a, a role that actually could have when I thought, was thinking about it that could have gone to a lot of different actors there's great a lot of great actors these days um, but he that age um, the story the nuances I think um, yeah re- reaffirms him that yeah he's uh, class A hmm. awesome uh, for me my favorite performance of the year was Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter I mean I think she gets a lot of praise for the different things that she does she already has an Oscar multiple Emmys but uh, I don't know if any of you have had the chance to see this it's uh, a slow burn indie type movie um, I wasn't in the right maybe the best mood to see it it's kind of a downer and it's about characters that do not so good nice things especially to their kids and how you live with the guilt of that um she carries this movie she's in like 98 percent of every scene and you know exactly what she is thinking just by how she acts physically 
she is incredible in this film um and uh her performance is by far the best thing i've seen um performance wise all year uh, over to you will uh what was your favorite performance of the year mm, will smith king richard mm. need i say more i don't know do no. you want to say more <laughs> you can't say more you don't have to but no i, I think mean, like we I all said, know why yeah. he was great yeah oh yeah we all know yeah. why yeah okay cool cat your performance of the year um hands down covid and all of the iterations it took in film and tv and how it's affected the industry that i would have to say is definitely quite the performance i love it i love it (laughs) wow what a very uh yeah I mean, it's literally in everything we're seeing right now from, I mean, it honestly has affected every single area of the film. I mean, obviously of all of our lives, but it's so apparent in film too, like from that movie that started with the Anne Hathaway. Do you remember that when we're like laughing? Like, oh, has anyone seen the lockdown? And then there are movies about the lockdown and like, you know, it's in comedy and it's in tragedy and it's it's everywhere. And um, it's taken on so many different uh, performances. I can't wait I, to see one, the, the the Michael yeah. Bay Bay movie. I heard there's a Michael Bay movie coming out about COVID. COVID. No, <laughs> no, no, yes, William. No, no, Songbird. <laughs> that that no. came out. It was absolutely oh, crap. It was oh. the what was it called? COVID twenty three, COVID twenty four. It's like yes. it, it was so stupid. It's very yeah. anticlimactic. Yeah. Oh, all right, yeah. never mind. I'm immune. I'm immune. <laughs> it was just so bad. Yeah. All right, John. Uh, actually, no. That's all of us. We all said it, right? Yeah. All right. Cool. All right, we each have one movie left on the list. And uh, I will go first because I think mine is the lowest. I believe all all of you just have number ones left. So my number three film of the year is Val. Hi, my name's Val. I don't do this with every interview I go on. Take you inside my home. I don't, but I'm going to. My name is Val Kilmer. I'm an actor. I've lived a magical life. And I've captured quite a bit of it. Yeah, push the button! I was the first guy I knew to own a video camera. Here we are, filming ourselves. Uh, is that a it's video rolling, camera? yeah. Oh, that's really cool, Val. I have thousands of hours of videotapes and film reels that I've shot throughout my life and career. Shut the video camera off. I will keep it on until we're rehearsing. Oh, bam! I was recently diagnosed with throat cancer. I'm still recovering, and it is difficult to talk and to be understood. But I want to tell my story more than ever. It's a documentary that centers around Val Val Kilmer. He had a video camera since he was very, very young, and he documented pretty much his entire life, right? And the first shot of of, of the movie, of the documentary, is of him chilling in his trailer with like Wolfman and Slider from Top Gun. And they're just like maybe drunk, but they're singing and they're like talking smack about Tom Cruise. And this was from like, you know, when they were filming Top Gun, it was awesome. I was like, holy cow, I get to see how like, you know, he got to act around these people. Like, you know, it's like totally real. 
right? They don't pull any punches and you get to see every aspect of everything that he shot. So I was like, oh, this is cool. And then you realize that his son is actually narrating the story because Val Kilmer has uh, throat cancer or had throat cancer and the cancer has gone, but he had to have a tracheotomy and he has very, uh, very hard time speaking. And so now he's living in debt. Uh, he is just kind of driving around, signing autographs for people, um, taking whatever small roles that he can. And uh, really, it, this documentary is about growing up, about learning that life is no longer all about you, but it's about um, living through your children and having them kind of take over your story. Um, I think there are other very pro profound things as well. Um, you know, at one point, he was one of the top actors in Hollywood, bankable, very well paid. Um, and you got to see how he approached life then and how he thinks about it now looking back. And you get to live this through the, the footage that he shot. Um, and just to do that and see someone do that, uh, to see him uh, in terms of just like the wisdom that he's gained now looking back on his life and then looking forward, it's, uh, it's really, really incredible. Um, and I had a very emotional moment at the end of this uh, film. Um, as he as the movie is ending, you see the camera is on his son Jack Kilmer, and he's in a, a booth reading the the voiceover segments, right? And as soon as he reads the very last thing, the very last line of what would be the narration in the documentary, he closes the book, and then you see his father just come in, and they just embrace each other, and they they hold each other for I don't know how long, but basically it's like, you know, my son, thank you for telling my story so that others can see it. And there's something just very heartfelt and beautiful about that. Um, so yeah, that's my number three film, Val. All right. Yeah. You guys can see it on Prime. It's it's free. Please check it out. I have to tell you, it, it is really, really great. All right. Number one film, Kat, over to you. Okay. Mine is no shocker, a documentary about the great outdoors. And it's The Alpinist. When I'm in the mountains, life is so incredibly simple. Who impresses you right now? This kid, Mark Andre Leclerc. He's been doing all kinds of crazy alpine soloing. What I'm doing is on rock, and then I see Mark Andre free soloing on ice and snow. First time I heard about Mark, he's living in a snow cave on the parkway or something. He is pushing things that is pretty much unknown. I'm Mark Andre Leclerc. I'm a climber. Generally speaking. He's different than anyone I'd ever met. I love him for that. He belongs in a different era and it was like wild. I can tell little Mark Andre stories all day, but he doesn't even care if anybody ever knows what he's climbing. It's more just to have casual, fun adventures. I just hope he's careful. Anything could happen. I mean, I know it's dangerous. I'm not like deluding myself that it's not dangerous to go soloing. Has anyone ah, seen it? I know about this. It is it. probably one of the best, most fascinating stories I've heard. And then to be able to watch it um, was just unlike, unlike anything, honestly. Uh, if you liked Free Solo yeah. and that took your breath away, 
like you will not be able to breathe for about an hour and a half while you watch this. Um, Alex Honnold shows up in this. Yeah, it right? kind yeah. of starts out with um, the guys um, with the directors of the documentary asking Alex, it's like, who inspires you? And he says, it's Marc-Andre Leclerc. So um, if you haven't seen it, I'll give you a quick a little synopsis of it. Um, Marc-Andre is this 23-year-old Canadian kid who goes out um, and uh, without a rope, no cameras, with no margin for errors, um, free solos, um, glaciers and ice caps and frozen waterfalls. And um, it's in like mixed terrain. And the documentary will leave you just um, in awe of what he does because he does not do it for any kind of um, fame. Um, to him, the best thing about climbing is showing up to the mountain and just going for it. And it's not just a mountain. These are ice, like glaciers, like uh, ice caps. So um, I highly, highly recommend it. So it's my number one. All right. Will, what is your number one? I'm curious to see if Kat actually saw this, but my number one is land. Hi. Hey. What's that? Broth. Oh, I smell bacon. That's for me. I'm not supposed to give you any of that. I'll make you some as soon as Alawa says you can have it. How did you find me? I was on a hunt. And, uh... I noticed on my way by here, there was chimney smoke, like any cabin will have this time of year. And then on my way back, there was no smoke. Why are you helping me? You were in my path. I have not That's... seen this. So it's directed by Robin Wright, and she also stars in it. I know. Wait, that's your number one. That was like on one of my lists for this year to watch, but I didn't. And I think yeah. it's because it's rated PG-13. And I was like, oh, this can't be like intense. <laughs> <laughs> so so the brief synopsis is basically it's, it's a local hunter brings a grieving lawyer back from the brink of death after she retreats to the harsh wilderness of the Rockies. This is a very beautiful, sorrowful narrative, minimal dialogue, but it, it didn't need that much dialogue because you can relate emotionally when it comes to depression or a form of tragedy when a form of tragedy hits us like robin wright just does a phenomenal job of uh, basically trying to escape her turmoil and just her tragedy and as you're going along on the ride you know something's wrong but you know you you and, and you're constantly questioning what are you running away from what are you what is going on like psychologically what is you know and she's just such a she just does a, such a good job of hiding it like it's like when you notice your best friend or someone that you care about there's something off they just won't but they it, it's like trying to it's like tooth and nail trying to take out what they're trying what their issue is so um it's that kind of journey that you're having with her uh the tone I would say would be similar to Nomadland, uh, but I think Nomadland uh, was a bit more um, 
it has just a little bit more of an edge uh, compared to with 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 this with what land it's kind of funny with land is uh portraying mm. um there's just there's a little bit more involved with land that um you know that 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 kind of brings you like uplifts you a bit um but man the ending though too is like it's been it's a it's bittersweet so it, it, it's just that's really your good. number one for the mm -hmm. full year yeah interesting <laughs> yeah watch land yeah i wanted to and then i was like oh it's pg-13 it's like it's not gonna like do it's anything too, for it's me too so colorful. To, yeah. it's too what's colorful what's nomadland wait what was is nomadland radar i don't think so Ken needs Ken needs blood, nudity, and cussing to, to feel something darkness. in the movie. I need yeah, <laughs> I need in real life. No, it's the, it's you know it's it's a bit depressing for sure. Okay. Yeah. It needs no soul. It yeah. needs um. It needs superheroes. Just kidding. All right, so we have one number one left. That's yours, John. But before we get to that, let's circle back around to our final like extracurricular category of the year, and that scene of the year. So I'll go ahead and kick us off. Um, my scene of the year is in Belfast. When Buddy, our main character, is talking to his grandfather, Siren Hines, and telling him through his own childlike eyes what's happening with his family, what he's seeing in terms of the, the Catholic persecution that's, that's around him. And they have this beautiful, heartfelt conversation. And then uh, Buddy kind of brings up the fact that, you know, dad wants to take us to, to England and then uh, how he doesn't want to go. Uh, and what he really just says is like, you know, if I go, I want you to come with me. And it's this beautiful just scene of an older man um, nearing the end of his life and a young child who is just kind of starting to learn some hard lessons. And the way they talk to each other, the sweetness in the boy's face, and then how they frame it. I believe they're, they're like shooting through a window towards the end of the scene. It's just uh, subdued, uh, minimal. And yet, very emotional. It's it hit all the notes that it needed to. So uh, that is my scene of the year. I will say my runner-up is when um, Andrew Garfield showed up in No Way Home, and the whole crowd erupted. Um, yeah, that that was a whole lot of fun, and it's like everyone's in the theater saying, "I knew it! I knew they're in it! I knew he was lying!" But yeah, uh, that was just pure excitement. Um, you know, uh, excitement value for me. Um, over to you, Will. What's your favorite scene of the year? My favorite scene of the year um, is from Land as well. I, I can't spoil it though. It, it is towards the end. So Robin Wright plays a um, character named Edie, and uh, she stumbles or, or comes across this guy named Miguel. And um, you know, there's a, there's a line where she says like, you know, why like why are you trying to help me? And Miguel's just line was like, you're in my path. Like he he was basically like in the they're, they're in a cabin up up in the middle of nowhere and and he you know obviously is up there and, and going hunting but like there's a tra there's a a strike of like tragedy that happens to her for a moment and and he comes like basically helps her and rescues her and and kind of like nurture uh, that kind of nurses her back uh to health again and and just that line when he's like when she asks him like why are you doing this and he's just you're just you're just in my path but the way how he executed that and the way how you how it unfolds to why he kept helping her when he didn't like when they just met it, it was so well done it was really emotional hmm. so, all right yeah very very good very good how about you cat what is your scene of the year 
Well, I had a few favorite scenes from Belfast, um, similar to like one of your favorites, um, buddy wanting next to sit next to that girl in class, uh, even the opening scene in Belfast, I mm. thought was great. But I might have to go with, and I don't know if you guys have seen the Wes Anderson French Dispatch this year. Not yet. Okay. Well, there's this scene where they kind of like pan the camera and it's this, if you remember the mannequin challenge from oh, a yeah. few years back, I'm, it's like <laughs> a bunch of people just frozen in, in, you know, in motion and because of how large the cast is and you can tell like people are just like stop in motion and that was pretty cool thanks for reminding me about the mannequin challenge <laughs> that was a uh, a fun time but at the same time a, a very weird time but yeah that that was that was really fun so you're fun. telling me they actually do that all the actors it's like the there's challenge? this yeah it's not they don't do the challenge but the way the story narrates it looks like a like a freeze frame but you know that the actors are actually just like it's not a still image they're all like there it was like the mannequin challenge but it's not called the mannequin challenge i'm i'm just calling it that to yeah. explain what happens because the camera kind of like pans through like a still image but if you look closely as the camera pans it's this full cast of actors just frozen in motion yeah the, I mean, I, yeah, that, I think that was like an interesting thing All right. to execute. All right. I will definitely check out. I, I've been wanting to watch that film, so I'll definitely yeah, get too. around to that. It's disappointing. Oh, no. <laughs> it was on one of, it was like, remember, it was like on my most anticipated films of the yeah, year. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And I just, okay. I, I, it's fine. It's not his <laughs> best work. That seems cool. Yeah. 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 Maybe I still have to watch it though. Yeah. Yeah. You All have right. to. All right, John. What is your favorite scene of the year? Oh, my favorite scene of the year. Uh, I would go to TV um, and I would actually cheat and go to an episode. It's the Marble right. episode from Squid Game. You can't talk about 2021 without Squid Game. Sure. Um, I think that episode. I just um, that was probably my most crushed moment of watching anything. Um, the, the character development until that episode, I think it pays off, um, the way they pair each, you know, characters. Um, and I think it's the, the peak of the best ensemble cast in anything that was filmed last year. Uh, are you saying the whole scene in general or like one specific element? Cause there's like multiple, you know, kind of branches of, off of that scene. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 game, the marble game. Um, yeah. Once they enter, Overall. and each pairing of the story development and how each character bounces off each other and tells and just brings out, you know, the the worst and best yeah. of each other. Um, I think that was just ingenious of how they used that marble game, and and yeah. turned it into uh, uh, just a storytelling moment for yeah for that. My, there are two moments that stick out in that scene. One is when, uh, you know, uh, contestant number one who has been playing like he was a senile the whole time. Yeah. When he reveals that he's not. Yeah. And uh, how someone, you know, our main character was trying to take advantage of that. That was incredible. And, of course, there's also that scene where um, uh, basically the, 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 the two ladies, uh, one of them basically decides to, to give her life mm -hmm. because the other other girl has more going for her that was incredible mm -hmm. as well yeah it's just um, gut-wrenching that whole thing yeah. i think it that if anything uh, of all the darkness and that 
show that was what rooted it in um, made everything work the craziness yeah. of everything and and, and, yeah. and humanity and those those issues that we go through yeah yeah all right very very nice good choice all right so we have one number one left but before we get to that i think it would be nice for all of us to just very quickly name off five through one um so i'll go ahead and start and then we'll end things off with john's number one film of the year uh, my number five film is belfast my number four film is tick tick boom Number three is Val. Number two is Dune. And number one is The Last Duel. That is my top five. Will, what is your top five? My number five is Spider-Man No Way Home. Four is Free Guy. Three is Dune. Two is King Richard. And number one is Land. Beautiful. And you, Kat? Number five is Luca. Four is Last Duel. Mass at number three. Belfast at two. And The Alpinist at number one. All right. And John, why don't you go ahead and give us your top five and uh, finish us off with your number one movie of the year. Right. <laughs> I'm just laughing. because, Okay. Uh, number five is In the Heights. Four was Belfast. The three was Pig. Two was The Last Duel. And I should have jumped in for this movie before when we were talking about it. Um, number one, Cat Might Disown Me. Um, and it, why I preface my top five by saying it's, uh, it's movie experience from top to bottom. And, uh, you know, you look back and you, re- you guys remember like, oh, the, the, the best moments, you know, when you first watch the matrix or you first watch something that was so incredibly memorable and you remember my number one is Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, it was the most right, fun. Right. It was the most fun and mem- enjoyable movie experience this entire year. Um, straight out of the theater, right when I went, uh, got out, thought it was top five mo- Marvel movie of all time. Um, Hell yeah! And like Endgame, uh, it's the buildup and culmination of over twenty years from Spider-Man films. Um, and so you can only imagine if you have a buildup of twenty years of storytelling, and then you put it all together in one film. Um, the biggest thing that hit home was this film was uh, as campy and as Marvel and cartoony or whatever you want to call it, is it had heart and it was delivered, uh, it, uh, the delivery of what Spider-Man is all about. Like the Uncle Ben's famous quote about power and responsibility, with great power comes from great responsibility. They didn't just take that and make it like a cartoony uh, Marvel film about it, but they made it uh, really hit home with the acting, the storytelling, um, the struggle of Tom Holland's Spider-Man, um, it really made sense put to put it all together. And to do this was just, I think, just a Herculean effort um, on their part, uh, really, because there's so much expectations. You think, you know, the number of fans and everything um, and how they put it all together. Uh, yeah, this film put it all together with the struggle. I think, lastly, the growth of Tom Holland's Spider-Man. So over the three films. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's my personal. I think um, I think this movie could be put on in uh, any of my top uh, top five, any number, but I just put it up on one because um, <laughs> I think it would have would not have been on anybody else's. But for me personally, I think when I go to see a movie, I just want uh, just pure memorable experience. And yeah, this did go it watch me. a cat. Yeah, I think cat might even like it. I yeah. just love, love how it. different and yet 
alike we are, you know, like yeah. all of our choices were kind of very different, but still we had some overall crossovers. Yeah. And I did cry twice in this movie. So. Twice. Okay. That's how emotional. TMI. What a wuss. We didn't ask. But <laughs> hey, <laughs> just kidding. Hey, it, it hit home. Spider-Man. Okay. Yep. That's how good it is. Yeah. Oh, you haven't right. seen The Alpinist. <laughs> All right. If I watch The Alpinist, Kat, you have to watch Spider-Man. Okay. You're on. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Done. Done deal. All right. That was our episode. Until the next time you hear from us, we just want to remind you that it's not the destination, but the things you watch and experience along the way. Stay safe, everybody.